Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about work of worth, your worth, and when you're in a season of waiting and what that looks like. And all of that combines with um, what Parker said, that I'm an alum here and I was a biblical studies major. So you may wonder how someone that was a biblical studies major um, ends up in the nonprofit sector instead of on the mission field or... Um, instead of working in university ministries here at Sanford. And that's a, it's a great story. It's probably not for today, but I love college students. You're my favorite. And so I'm happy to come back and have coffee with you and walk through that with you. Um, one of the most profound seasons in my life was in college. And a lot of that is because you just have so um, little going on in your life. And it doesn't feel that way right now. But when you get older, you get married, you have kids, and the more people that are attached to you, the bigger your problems. And that's just, that's just the fact of life. The more um, people that are living in your house, the more things that you're in charge of, the bigger, the bigger your issues. And so you're at a great season because you can actually listen and hear God in a way that you probably won't have the time to or the energy to later on in life. Um, Brian teaches a class, let me get the name right, Vocations Calling. Um, it's Foundations 210. And this book is, is fairly new, and so we're going to do a little giveaway. It's a great book if you are interested in um, sort of figuring out how you're wired. And I think a lot of college and young adult life in your 20s is figuring that out. How am I wired? What has God wired me for? Why am I here? Um, what would I do best at? That kind of thing. So if, who is from the farthest state? I was a graduate here. In biblical studies, I spent a lot of time in this chapel, in these hallways, and really um, felt called to ministry because I just love people. So I started working for a company that does part that partners with artisans all over the world to create sustainable employment for them. And it was a really new concept to me because in my head, I thought, well, why wouldn't you work? I mean, that's how you feed yourself, right? But it was a completely different concept because I did not understand that most of the world's economy and population isn't afforded the opportunity to work like we are. And it's not because they don't want to, and it's not because the opportunities aren't there. It's because of the poverty and the economic level that they live in that doesn't support that kind of future for them. I also realized um, through the course of the first probably five years of my 20s that I was really passionate about freedom, about women and children not being sold into slavery for um, exploitation or for any reason, but especially not for sexual exploitation. But that also feeds into slavery um, and just factory type conditions. And one of the most um, impactful things someone told me when I was in college was that um, if you are looking for what God is calling you to, if you're not sure what he's calling you to, then go back to those moments where he says to you something and it makes your heart beat fast. And I'm not talking about nervous or anxiety, but just excitement fast. And that is probably something that God has called you to. For me, it was just being with people, having the opportunity to love on them and have an opportunity to afford them freedom in a way that, that I live every day and Lord willing will continue to. And so for 10 years, I worked for a company that um, marketed and distributed products and have, um, for the last 15 years, worked in an environment where um, what we would call it now is cause-related marketing. And the reason that that's so important for us, especially right now in November, is because you're a generation that's more socially responsible than any other generation. When I was coming through, the form of thought was, if you're going to go into ministry or if you're going to do something in ministry-related, you've got to go to seminary. 
And we've got a tremendous opportunity now through the Brock School of Business and the School of Social Entrepreneurship that really guide you through that in a way that isn't necessarily ministry related, but it's life related. Because no matter where you end up, God is going to call you to live your life for him in the context that you're set in. But social responsibility is important, and you know that because that's your heartbeat as a generation. But it's important because it leads to the sustainability and freedom of people all over the world. And what I mean by that is that there are people that have absolutely no opportunity to learn, to read and write, or to even understand their worth. And I have a problem with that. And that's, not, that's something that's not acceptable to me. And so... Um, being a part of an organization and working the last 15 years in a place where it allows me to help with that is something that God has called me to. And people get in those situations not by choice. So you've got a family in India, their, their um, heritage is primarily farming, but the conditions are not so to where they can do that anymore. The, the grandfather is sick and has cancer. He's got all girls, so there's no heir culturally to pass his family to or his property to. What do they do? They need money. Well, there's a guy in the village that helps women find a job as a maid, a job as a hotel receptionist, um, a job as a nanny. I mean, that, that's, the best, that's the best scenario for our family right now, is what this man says, for, for me to gain income. Because my farm is not yielding what it would because I have all girls, and my children are starving. So the girl goes off to be a nanny, but she's really traded and exploited and sold as a sex slave. To her shame... She never tells her parents, because why would we? But she continues to send money back. After three and four kids, many miscarriages, terrible mistreatment, she decides that perhaps this one business down the road that she's heard of might be a good solution for her. They make jewelry. So she approaches the, the office and says, listen, I, I'm, I'm a prostitute. I, I have nothing, but I want something better for my family. I want something better for my kids. My daughter is 10 now, and I don't want her to be a sex slave anymore, or at all. Not anymore, but at all. So they begin to employ her and teach her a skill on how to make amazing jewelry, um, very similar to the stuff that you would see today in anthropology. That changes an entire generation for that family, because what is involved in companies that are really holistic and looking into sustainable employment. It's not just about the dollar amount. So those women are not only employed and have sustainable income, which is what allows them not to be in prostitution anymore, but they're taught how to read and write. They're given enough funds to where their kids are able to go to school because in a lot of countries overseas, you have to pay for your education, you have to pay for your uniform, you have to pay for your books. It's very similar to college, except for you don't have to wear a uniform. And those expenses are just too much to bear when you're trying to keep food on the table. And so now their kids are educated, they're educated, and more importantly, they understand their worth. And that entire cycle has now changed. So that's one bucket of, um, of social responsibility that's important. It's allowing people with your, so with your socially responsible purchases of things that are fair trade or ministry related. There's a bazillion of them in the world today, which is so exciting to me. I'm not a competitive person, and I feel like the more the merrier because we cannot do it alone. We are not the saviors. We are not there to get people out of the situations they're in. We're in there to journey alongside and walk with them. The other side of social responsibility is employing people preventatively so that doesn't happen. If the women in the village are afforded the opportunity to weave and sew on the front end, then their family is never faced with this opportunity of, well, we don't have any other choice. This is our opportunity. We've got to do this. 
And so it's really important that you understand that social responsibility is not a, just a solution on one end as a result of some catastrophic economic decisions that those people had no, no choice in how they made, but it's also on the front end of allowing people the opportunity to have a skill, have an education, and have worth in their understanding beforehand so that they never even get to that point. And so our company has the opportunity to do both, to employ women that are at the back end of that, where, they're out of, where we can employ them out of prostitution, but also the front end in villages and communities that perhaps are, are targeted towards that, but they're able to be employed so that that decision is not one that they have to make for their family. If the women and if the men are receiving sustainable income, then that's not something they have to choose. Overarching above all this is the concept of worth. And I want to sit on that for a little bit because it's something that's really important. It's something that is not said in our society today. It's certainly not said to women. And if you think it's not said here, it's certainly not said overseas. But you matter. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going to do in your lifetime. God values you. Every time he thinks of you, he smiles. And if the person you're dating, whether it be a boy or a girl, doesn't matter if you're a girl and you're dating a boy, doesn't matter if you're a boy and you're dating a girl, you've got to understand that that person has to value you. And if they don't value you, and guys, if that woman does not respect you, that's probably not the person for you. I heard this great expression last week that talks about um, the sour is not in the squeeze of the lemon. And what they meant by that was that lemons are sour, but it's not because you squeeze them, it's because of the stuff that's inside the lemon. When you squeeze them, that stuff just comes out. And when you're dating someone or when you're with someone that doesn't respect you and doesn't value you as a person, one day when you're squeezed and when they're squeezed, all that's sour will just come out. And that's not God's best for you. It's not that God is trying to withhold or prohibit you from something. It's not God's best for you. And you can read every story in the Bible and see that. That God is not saying, I prohibit you. I don't want you to. No, I will, I will land all these punishments on you. He's saying that's not God's best for you. And the most important thing that you can learn if you're in a season of waiting right now, and I'm sure a lot of you are, waiting for the right spouse, waiting for the right job, waiting for the right internship, waiting to know what your major is, is for you to understand that your contentment has to be found in God. And when you do that, I guarantee you God will open up a lot of opportunities for you because a lot of times God holds us back until we're able to see that our contentment and everything that we need is truly in him. And worth is a big part of that. Over and over again, the Bible talks about how God values us and how you are worth it. And the main concept that we talk about a lot at Work of Worth and even with my um, job in the nonprofit sports arena is helping kids and individuals understand their worth, that you are a valued member of society, that you are a contributor. And more than anything, God has called you to make a difference. Not, your, not the person next to you, not your roommate, not the person that you're dating, but you. There is only one you. And even if you have 50 other people in the classroom that have the same major as you, no one has created a voice like yours, like the God Almighty has. And that verse that Parker read is really, really key and important to so many things that you're in in the season right now, that God has created plans for you. And there are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And if you're in a season where you feel like he is prohibiting you or he is harming you, I guarantee you it's for your protection. There's so many things and so many seasons of waiting that I've been in that I've thought, well, he's just angry at me or he doesn't love me. He's not with me anymore. But in retrospect, when I'm able to look back, I see that he was protecting me from some things that were far, far worse. 
And when you understand your value, you understand that God wants the best for you. That he has created you for a great purpose and wants the best for you. So worth is important. And if that's something that you're struggling with, if it's something that you don't understand, I'm happy to talk to you about that because you, um, you, you guys are an amazing generation. Fish and Renee and Brian and I's generation, I mean, we, we put the tracks in motion to change the world. But you guys will actually be the trains that do it. And your kids will be the, train, the people that get out of the trains to finish it. The other thing that's really important um, in, in what we do and, and what we see, um, especially in the sports arena, is waiting. So I work for a global organization that um, does sports work all over the world, and um, we typically don't, when um, my name is mentioned and we're in a setting of a gospel context, we don't mention the actual name of the company, but a lot of what we do is really helping athletes understand their skill set and their value. We work in a lot of hard places like North Korea, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. But all of that has come through years of relationships, and relationships take time. It's not something that you can rush. It's not something that you can just dive into and have immediately. But because we're a company of excellence and we are trusted, we have been handed some amazing opportunities, such as an opportunity in the Middle East with women um, in an unprecedented way. A government has come to us and said, listen, we have an epic, epic problem with diabetes. Because of the cultural restrictions of our country, the women cannot walk briskly, they cannot run. If they're gonna go to a gym, they've gotta be escorted. So what do you do? You can't exercise. They've got a healthcare problem on their hand and they've got um, women that you know, are not able to, to do certain things because of cultural restrictions. So we've come in and said, well, what if, what if we implemented a plan similar to um, a fitness program like yoga? <laughs> yoga Plus really is what it is. And so we have begun the process of consulting with the government about that because what that allows the women to do is exercise in a really good way, work on their core in the confines of their room without breaching cultural restrictions that are levied on them. But you know what the country has essentially said? We'll give you access to every woman in the country. And one day when those women, your age and below, understand that they are worthwhile, that they are valued, that God loves them more than life itself, and that he died on the cross for them, they'll change those laws that bind them. But that opportunity did not come overnight. It came in 23 years of waiting and consistently obeying. And so if you're in a season of waiting and it frustrates you, I, I get that. I don't, I don't like waiting any more than the next person. I would be happy if everything in this life was drive-through and app-related. We um, recently went to Disney with our kids and we um, did this thing with magic bands and that's probably something you guys have grown up with. But everywhere you go, you just tap it. You pay for your food, you pay for this, you pay for that. And I thought, you know, maybe a chip in our system isn't so bad because it's so easy. I mean, it's just, it's convenient. But the hard thing about waiting is understanding the importance of obedience while you do that. Because if you're not obedient in the small things, God will not entrust you to the big things. And Esther is a perfect example of that. She was obedient in the small things that Mordecai asked her to do. And then when God placed her in the king, with the king, in the castle, as the queen, she was able to do major things. And God is doing the same thing for you. If there's one thing I wish I had known when I was your age, it was that the relationships that you have now matter. Because in 20 years, you'll circle back to some of the people that you're sitting next to right now in your class in chapel, and you'll wish that you'd been nicer. Because you never know how God is going to reconnect those circles back again. The sports organization that I'm with, the founder and, and leader of it, was someone that I knew when I was in seventh grade. As a fluke last year, they had an opening, and I ran into him, and he asked if I would be interested. 
20 years had gone by. That's not an accident. That's God. But it, understanding that the relationships that you have now and the people that God has in your path now are actually strategic for your future is really important. And so be obedient in those small things now so that later on God can entrust you with big things. Fish said she talked on Tuesday about stewardship and, and the responsibility of the, the vineyard owner and how there was a lot of feelings of unfairness about the laborers that came in. And that may be where you are. You're, you're feeling like it's unfair that you're having to wait. It's unfair that, you, you know, you're obeying. I, I, you shouldn't have to wait for a boyfriend. You shouldn't have to wait to know what your major is. You shouldn't have to wait for a good roommate. You name it, all those things. You shouldn't have to wait for a place on the team. But what if God is seeing if you can be obedient in the small things so that he can entrust you with big things later on? Because I guarantee you that the vineyard owner the next day looked at the ones that didn't complain and was more apt to hire them again. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't complain when you're a season of waiting because there's plenty of places in the Bible and Psalms where David cries out and gnashes his teeth at God and yells at him. And I guarantee you he can take it. But there's a difference between crying out to God and gnashing your teeth at him than believing that he is not for you. And he is for you. Just because you're in a season of waiting and you're not sure doesn't mean that he's not for you. And to me, that's super important um, when, you're, when you're at the stage that you are because you feel like you're on the, on the precipice of this great canyon, not understanding where God has you or what he's got you for. But you've got a rocket strapped to your back. And if he's going to send you off and launch you, you've got to obey in the small things. And that means now. Because later on, when you have kids and you're waiting and waiting and waiting to get pregnant and all your friends have kids and you don't or you've had several miscarriages and all your friends have kids and you don't or you're waiting and waiting and waiting for that promotion and everyone around you in the office gets promoted, all your friends and other businesses get promoted, but you don't. You have to trust God for those small things because you don't know what kind of boss he's protecting you from. You don't know what kind of health crisis he's protecting your family from. How he's maybe protecting your marriage for this season so that in a couple years you're ready for kids. Because what everybody says to you now is true. Kids completely change everything. So I know that it's hard. So if you don't understand that you're worthwhile and you're in a season of waiting, what is the best response to that? The Bible talks a lot about um, hiding God's word in your heart. And there's a, there's a huge reason for that. And when I was in college... And even really until probably about two years ago, I completely dismissed that notion that anything to do with memorizing scripture had any value to it. But this is the thing. The Bible says, hide, hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So, I mean, it's very simple. If you, you want to know what God's up to, memorize scripture. If you're in a hard season, memorize Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And if you don't know what else to pray, go back to Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And claim that verse, Jeremiah 33.3. Because he will tell you. And in hiding that word in your heart, I'm not talking about the entire book of John. I'm just talking about one verse beyond the shortest one, Jesus wept. Because that one doesn't count. Jeremiah 33.3 is so short. If you're stuck and you don't understand that you're worthwhile and you feel like you're waiting and, and you feel like you're being punished, go back to him and say, Lord, I, I am calling out to you and I need to know those unsearchable things that, you do not, that I do not know. I need you to reveal them to me and claim that verse. If that's all you do this week is go to the dollar store and buy a dry erase marker and put it on your mirror, that's the easiest way to memorize scripture. Write it on your mirror. Every morning when you brush your teeth, every night when you brush your teeth, every morning when you get ready, 
every night when you go to bed. That's the simplest way to memorize scripture. I'm not talking about chunks. I'm talking about pieces. And those pieces over time build up, sort of like an anthill. That's one grain of dirt that continues to build up. And what God does is he insulates your heart through the memorization of his words so that you don't sin, so that you don't miss when God is working, so that you don't miss what he's doing when you're waiting. And more importantly, so that you understand that you have worth because of him. Because none of you are here by accident. None of you are on this earth by accident. None of you are at Stanford by accident. If nothing else, for the amazing relationships that you will get while you are here. When um, they were practicing earlier the song, that song was popular when I was in school, if that tells you how popular it was, Cademan's Cause back in the day. And I was thinking how the Lord has just blessed us with great relationships. My husband went to Beeson and was in school with Brian and Renee and Fish as well. I would never have guessed that we would circle back and still be in the same community now, but those relationships matter, and they've tremendously blessed my heart. I know that understanding waiting is not something that's easy or that's convenient, but it's so worth it because God has called us to steward the circumstances and the relationships that we have. The reason that our sports organization is successful, it's not because of us, because we make a lot of mistakes, and I have made a ton of mistakes, and actually will continue to. But it's because we're seeking to obey God in every front. And because more than anything, we want to kneel at the throne of God and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Or like um, Jehoshaphat says in 2 Chronicles 20, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. He has an entire enemy, army of enemies coming towards him. And there have been plenty of days where I've prayed that. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And if that needs to be your prayer while you're waiting, before your feet hit the ground in the morning, before you stomp on the ground, before you take a shower, before you put your makeup on, before you get dressed, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And if you have to promise for these next 30 minutes, I I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And then the next 30 minutes, Lord, I, I can't promise you the rest of the day, but I promise you for these 30 minutes, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And over time, you'll get to extend it to an hour, to the day, to the week, and he will be faithful. He will draw you into himself like his word promises, and he will be faithful. One of the great things about um, understanding the way that God has wired you is that he is able to use you as a catalyst for his kingdom. And you probably all have met someone that is so clearly doing what they want to do. Let's just take sports as an example, and I'll have a girl example in a second. But, you know, there's players on the field that you look at them and you think, man, they they are placed really well. That's exactly what they need to be doing. They don't need to be a quarterback. They don't need to be a kicker. They are a runner, and they are fantastic at it. And that's what it looks like when you are doing what God has made you to do. For girls, you know, there's, there's girls in your life that have a tremendous eye for um, fashion and putting yourself together. I'm not one of those. I'm one of those people that says, oh, that mannequin looks nice. I need that, and that's what this is. I saw it somewhere, and I said yes, please, to all of that. And that's exactly what they were born to do. You know that they have a good eye for putting things together. I mean, that's what anthropology is. It's someone that is doing what God has called them to do because they understand how to put random things together to make them beautiful. That's what Pinterest is. And God has wired you the same way. And so if you're not sure how you're wired or why you're wired that way, then take some time, pick up one of these books, sign up for Brian's class because it's really important because whether you enter into that field now when you graduate or whether you go into it 10 years from now, it's super important because the heartbeat of who you are will be crushed in your disobedience if you don't do what he's called you to do. Let me say that again. The heartbeat of who you are 
will be crushed if you don't do what he's called you to do. And it's because you're not wired that way. And when you see people that are really struggling in areas that you think, well, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's what my parents, you know, want me to do. And, and, and that's good, and I understand that pressure. But what is he calling you to do? What does he want you to do? And you're in a perfect position to do that without a whole lot of other things dragging you down. Because when you're my age, you can't just say, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I have a heart for the nations. I have a heart for the least of these. I want to minister to people that are overseas and have never heard Jesus because I've got a six and an eight-year-old and a husband. So I can't just hip, 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 skip, skip, skip over and do whatever I want to do. But you're in a place where you can do that without a lot of people leaning on you and, and dragging behind you. You don't have a house payment. You don't have a mortgage. Hopefully your parents gave you a car. I mean, there's, there's so many things and blessings that you have right now. So take advantage of the opportunity that um, God has afforded you to figure out how you're wired. And it will also help you figure out what kind of spouse you need to look for if you think there's no merit in that. And also just what he's called you to. One thing that um, I have a discipleship group of, girl, of Sanford girls that I meet with. And one thing that I pray every week for them is that they would so clearly hear what God is calling them to and it's been so fun over the last four years to see where God has called them to. And, and they're waiting just like you are. But the most important thing is that they know they're not waiting alone. And neither are you. At the end of Matthew, God promises, I will be with you always. What did he say? Sometimes when you're obedient, always. And if you don't hear anything else, know that if you're waiting and you're not sure you're worthwhile, he is with you always and more than anything He's created you because you're valuable. You are worthwhile. And that's not something that Christy says. That's something that God says. Go back to his word. Courtney's going to come up and do a prayer for the nations. But I just want to pray over you before she does that. Lord, I thank you for every student on this campus, whether they're in this chapel, whether they're in their car driving, whether they're in class, whether they're studying, whether they're in bed. Father, that they would know that you have amazing plans for them to prosper them and not to harm them. And Lord, that you would just reveal to them in your spirit what you would have. And Father, if they are running the opposite way from you like Jonah did, Lord, hold them in a way that they can find you again like you did for Jonah. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for their spirit. I thank you for the leadership of the professors, the staff, the teachers. Uh, so many people, Lord, that just continue to point us in the right direction. We are truly blessed. I pray for your protection over them. And Lord, more than anything, that you would just continue to draw them unto yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.